Welcome back to Blazing Trails. I'm Michael Revo from Salesforce Studios. Today, I'm joined by Molly Ford, Vice President of Global Equality Programs here at Salesforce. Welcome, Molly. Hi, Michael. Thanks for having me. Well, it's great to have you back, and congratulations on the fourth annual Racial Equality Summit, Representation Matters. This year, we had so many great speakers and discussions, it was hard to choose what we'd run here on Blazing Trails, but we're going to run a session called Aligning Your Career with Your Purpose today, which was really exceptional. And Molly, I'm curious, what does that mean to you in terms of aligning your career to your purpose? I love this topic because we all know waking up and going to work every day, we need to be driven by more than just a paycheck, right? Where's the values alignment? How am I personally getting fed from this spiritually, emotionally, and feeling like, you know, I'm doing something greater for the world? So when you can take what you do as your day job and bring home your paycheck and align that with what you're passionate about or you feel like is your life's mission, it's much easier to get up and get out of bed in the morning. I think about my own career journey. I started as a PR and communications person, but was always asking about diversity, wondering about diversity, curious about diversity, asking that question, walking into rooms, wondering who's gonna be my ally. So when I had the opportunity to transition that passion into a real job, full-time, focused on diversity, equity, inclusion, and equality, I jumped on that opportunity. And it really makes me lead with purpose, not forgetting my North Star, why I'm doing this work. Really exciting. So really excited to hear from this panel of business leaders on how this manifests itself for them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's a great panel. The conversation is moderated by our own Erwin Flores, who's the SVP of our CPG and retail group here at Salesforce. And Carla Harris, the vice chairman and managing director at Morgan Stanley, is part of the panel. And Molly, she is amazing. I hadn't heard her speak before and really enjoyed some of what she brought to the table. I am a super fan of Carla Harris, and I love to say, you know, not my hero, my shero, right? She is absolutely one of my sheroes, Carla Harris. And if you have not caught her TED Talk, you absolutely need to listen to it. The way she unpacks mentorship, sponsorship, and being in the driver's seat of your career is just phenomenal sage advice. So really, I'm a big fan of hers. Mm-hmm. She'll get you motivated, for sure. And Morgan DeBaum, who's the founder and CEO of Blavity, Super interesting company. It's a digital media company. They've built platforms to inform, entertain, engage communities of color. They're a Salesforce customer and really interesting company. Tell me a little bit more about Morgan. So Morgan is an entrepreneur, right, that we all aspire to be young, highly successful, and really doing it, right? And we know Blavity as the media company, but one of their, I'm going to call it products, they put out is Afrotech. A lot of us are familiar with Afrotech, African-American, Black, tech conference happens annually around November. It is the place to be. And it's not just a conference where you come and hear diversity conversations. It really is the folks on the front line of tech innovation that happen to look like me or happen to be Black. And it's really a great conference. And really, we're excited that Salesforce is going to sponsor and show up this year in a big way to Afrotech. And so really proud of our partnership with Blavity and to call them a customer, put them on stage as a customer. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And rounding out the panel, is Trevor Thomas. He's a principal at Deloitte Consulting, and he leads the M&A and restructuring practice there. 
and Deloitte and Salesforce longtime partnership. Tell me a little bit more about that, Molly. So Deloitte Digital is a longstanding partner of Salesforce, as you said. But more importantly, when you think about this path and this journey to equality for all, what an aspirational goal. We want to lock arms with partners like Deloitte who are on this mission with us. We absolutely have a partnership that goes back many years. We're mutual customers of one another. But what I love from Deloitte is you can tap into their leaders that work across the business. And between Carla Harris, Trevor, and Morgan, I feel like we all just got an MBA in business, right? (laughs) Combined, they all have at least 50 years of business experience where it's entrepreneurship, corporate America, and lots of different industries. So let's all just take this session and think of it like it's our crash course, our MBA, our fast track through Stanford MBA program or something. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. great sage advice from all three. Absolutely. So it's a great group and lots of practical advice in this session, as you say. So let's listen to it. It's aligning your career with your purpose. And Molly, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Michael. Carla, Morgan, and Trevor, I'm so excited to be here with you and with all of our audience. It's such an amazing topic that I'm personally very passionate about. So to get started in our panel, I want to start by asking all of you to share a little bit about yourself and especially how uh, on this specific topic about aligning your career with your purpose, how, tell us how, how you went about that. So maybe we can start with you, Carla. Tell us about yourself and how did you went around aligning your career with your purpose. Well, thanks so much, Urban, and thanks so much for having me as a part of this conversation. And I'm delighted to be here with Trevor and Morgan. And I'll tell you, when I started my career 34 years ago, as I started on Wall Street, I really was interested in learning about finance and doing as well as I could. So part of my purpose is always about delivering excellence, no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm singing on a stage or whether or not I'm speaking or whether or not I'm acting as a counselor and advisor in investment banking capacity. It's all about delivering my best. That is definitely part of my purpose. But as I went through my career, and frankly, very early on in my career, I was really interested in making sure that I could get more people that looked like me on the street. Because frankly, I thought it was a great career, a great opportunity, and it could be a game changer for a lot of people. So I began as a first year associate actually being involved in recruiting. At a time when recruiting at investment banks, while always important, people would say, why are you doing that? Why aren't you not working on that deal? Nobody's giving you credit for recruiting, but it was really important to me. And so I continued to do it and have done it throughout my career. And now I'm in a capacity as a vice chairman at the firm where I lead the multicultural client strategy, which is all about positioning Morgan Stanley as the firm that leads in the marketplace with respect to engaging with multicultural decision makers and constituents. Because after all, Urban, we are in the relationship business and you need to have relationships with the folks who are making decisions. And in this country, increasingly as the demographics change, that's going to be women and people of color. So to be on the ground floor of that strategy and driving it with all those years of investment banking and relationship making behind me is pretty exciting. And that is clearly aligned with my purpose because part of what I do is also get capital and content to early stage companies to help them to advance the scaling of their business and doesn't get any better than that. I love the relationship comment. I'm, I'm very passionate about that, that area in my job too. So what about you, Morgan? Tell us about yourself and tell us how you went about aligning your career with your purpose. Yeah, so um, thank you for having me. I started my business seven years ago. So Blavity is a media company and we focus on creating content experiences and 
generally just more connectivity for people of color and black millennials. And now Gen Z, as we've all gotten older, so people who are recent college grads are still in, in college. And I started off in the tech world. I moved to Silicon Valley from St. Louis, where I'm from. And I quickly fell in love with this idea of building products and platforms at scale. But I realized nobody was really doing that for us. Like nobody was doing that for people who look like me. And they weren't necessarily ever going to unless we made a change, unless I and my friends and our peer group decided that we were going to be the ones who built the technology and the platforms for ourselves. And so I started out on that mission. Um, I was a very young CEO. I started my company at 24. And since then, you know, Blavity has been able to build out multiple brands. We have a portfolio of brands now, huge conferences and experiences. And so I'm lucky that I get to live every single day in my purpose and kind of take my own reins of, of like actually controlling the day-to-day of building a business that makes an impact on people's lives that I care about. Um, so yeah, definitely fun to be an entrepreneur. It has its own challenges, but I think it's a really rewarding career. That's great. I love the idea of help, helping professionals early in their careers. That's, uh, that's awesome. Trevor, what about you? Thanks so much, Irvin, and and thank you for for this conversation. To your to your earlier point, I think it's an important one. A bit about myself: I have the privilege of leading uh, Deloitte M and A and Restructuring Services business, and serve on our global board of directors. Been in the business a little over twenty five years, having done over eighty transactions across the life cycle, ranging in deal value from two hundred million to over one hundred and twenty billion. On the personal front, married to my wonderful wife, Dana, and have been blessed with three amazing children, uh, Jeremy, Dylan, and Nia. And when I'm not doing the work thing, it's all about the family thing. In terms of uh, how I align my career with purpose, similar to Carla, excellence is the standard. You know, everything I do, I strive to do it with excellence. Uh, Given the negative racial stereotypes that still exist today, I was always taught to work twice as hard, but more importantly, to show the next generation that success is possible. So that's one way I connect. The second way, uh, I'm still in process on this one, and I'm I'm building a platform around it, but it's this whole notion of inclusive prosperity. Uh, With the M&A services platform that I now lead, and some of our client societal ambitions around assisting women in underrepresented minority businesses, we have a capability that accelerates our client's ability to obtain market leadership. They have a need. And what I'm trying to do is connect that need with that capability. We've actually started this with some of our clients. An example is in the private equity space where one of our clients was looking for a preferred M&A services provider as they look to invest in enterprises, women and underrepresented minority-owned businesses to scale them to serve Fortune 500 companies. We're serving in that capacity. And so I'm finding ways using the current platform that I that I now lead to advance that societal ambition and my, my personal objective around purpose in the workplace. That's great. Thank you, Trevor. Love the idea of using a platform like M&A to help the audiences that we support. Carla, I want to go back to you because um, being a, a woman and a black woman in the finance industry, I'm sure you had a lot of experiences. And especially, can you share with us what helped you actually achieve or take over that space in which you can align uh, your purpose with your career? Yeah, I have to tell you, Irvin, it, it, I started smiling when you said, I'm sure you've had a lot of challenges. <laughs> That's a little bit of an understatement, honey. But anyway, I'll tell you, my biggest challenge was, frankly, not knowing the rules of the game and not understanding my power. 
when I started on the street, I started thinking, wow, I'm really smart. I can work hard. I'm green. Teach me, teach me, you know, not really realizing and sort of discounting what I was already bringing to the table in terms of intellect and my ability to work hard. You can't outwork Carla Harris, even 30 years into it. You cannot outwork Carla Harris and not really looking at all the things that I brought into the organization as real assets. I do. I did not look at being a woman or a person of color as a liability. And so often I think that people of color and women say, oh my gosh, I'm the only one. And one of the things that I learned, Irvin, is if you're the only one in the room that looks like you, you're the only one in the room that looks like you. And it is a major asset. You don't have to fight for attention because everybody's looking. You don't have to fight to be heard because everybody's listening. Whether they act like they're listening or not, they're listening. So all you have to do is to deliver your excellence into that expectation. And the lower the expectations are, the more you're going to blow them away. So it, it really is a matter of understanding that and using that as your leverage and as your power. And these are things that I did not realize and did not know when I first started in my career. I also didn't understand the power of relationships, because if you're growing up of color, especially as I did in the South, People would say, keep your head down, work really hard, just work really hard, put those points on the board. And while putting the points on the board are important, what really allows you to accelerate through any organization happens to be relationships. And so often we hug the performance currency, as I like to call it, to the exclusion of investing in the relationship currency. And when the decisions are made behind closed doors about your career, you are not in that room. And you need to have somebody in that room that's going to speak on your behalf. And that is about investing in those sponsor relationships or relationships in general. So those were, I would argue, as I look back, the biggest challenges was to not knowing those things when I walked in and having to learn them the hard way and acquire, as I like to call them, those hard earned pearls. Those were bigger obstacles than uh, my race or my gender, frankly. Excellent, excellent point on the concept of Actually, the element of being the only one in the room being actually a strength for you. I love that. Um, Morgan, um, I know that you created Blavity and it's been a great asset to elevate the stories of, uh, of the Black community. Tell us how you went about creating it and tell us some more about the firm. Yeah, so um, we're our company's around 75 employees, majority um, people of color and women in leadership. And we started the business again seven years ago. I was working in tech. I had a full-time job and, uh, you know, spending my nights and weekends building Blavity. And eventually uh, we got big enough that I could quit my job and I bootstrapped the business for about a year with my own savings and investments and then um, we started to get too big, so I couldn't afford to keep up with even the server costs. And so I, I eventually raised money um, to scale the business and hire the team full time and add benefits. Uh, we moved to L.A. And, you know, at the core of our story is, is really just a small group of people who decided that we wanted to do something like decided that what currently existed wasn't enough for us. And that we wanted to build something of our own for our own community, our own friends. And um, as we've grown and scaled, we've expanded that vision to include a variety of lifestyle and conversations, making sure that Blavity Inc. as a company can be a champion of diversity and inclusion in media across the travel industry, across the Hollywood industry with Shadow and Act, across the technology industry with Afrotech. 
Um, and so it's been an interesting and really exciting ride for us. I think for me as a founder, it's been definitely a learning curve going from a founder position to a CEO and all of the things and responsibilities that, that kind of come your way as you scale and grow a business and raise venture funding. And so um, the narrative and the stories that we've had across these last seven years, you know, it's the ups and downs of entrepreneurship that I think really are some stories that we also need to be telling on the corporate side. And then lastly, I would say um, at, now that we're big and we've kind of reached our level of profitability and, and scale, we've started to refocus back on our mission of giving back to the community. So we just launched Blabby.org, our nonprofit arm, so that social impact and making sure that our purpose is at the core of our fiscal responsibility on the corporation side. And so, you know, not many startups this early on would launch a nonprofit, but we felt like because of who we are and how we started, we wanted to make sure that it was kind of written into our operating excellence through the next phase of Blavity Inc's story. Congrats. It's a really nice story on how you have gone through that journey. Trevor, if we look back at 2020, we can probably call it a major turning point, especially in areas like social injustice, uh, racial injustice. Um, as a leader uh, and an executive in your firm, how do you uh, navigate navigate through this? Uh, how did you approach it? What can you share with our audience? Yeah, Erwin, it's a fantastic question. And I tell you what a year it was. Um, uh, a couple of thoughts in terms of how uh, we use this as an opportunity to to advance the cause, right? The first thing is listening. Right. And so as part of the, you know, some of the social injustices uh, that have occurred in the country, I developed a set of listening opportunities within our practice. I dubbed them uh, conversations with black professionals. All topics were on the table. Right. Whether it's around the Derek Chauvin trial or some of the other atrocities that happened uh, during the last sets of months, we use these as powerful mechanisms to hear from our leaders and our practitioners what is on their minds and everything was on the table. So listening. The second thing that we looked at doing was establishing shared goals uh, based on those listening tours that we, we conducted. There was such uh, a movement in the organization uh, that our leaders took it upon themselves to have a shared goal around DE&I and look at the set of retention and, and representation objectives that we want to achieve over the next sets of years. So that was the second point. And then thirdly, uh, using your voice. Uh, I, uh, this is probably one of the most important ones uh, that, that we were able to do within the firm. You know, I recall uh, the, the, the events of January 6th, and I felt compelled to share my, my point of view around that around that event. Uh, I noted in a message to our entire practice uh, how challenging it was for me in terms of that day. Uh, it ranged from, you know, you know, thinking about the sanctity of our democratic process to the safety of our citizens, the Deloitte team, our respective families, to the dichotomy of what the response would have been, had been if this was a more diverse crowd uh, on that fateful day. And so those things around listening, having shared goals and using your voice were things and, and things that we use to, to propel and advance the cause, Irvin. That's excellent. Um, I think the idea of leaders like you and coming up with your voice and sharing your point of view supports a lot of, um, a lot of people. So I think um, that's, a, that's a great concept. Uh, Carla, I had the chance to read your background 
is an amazing story of success uh, in uh, doing your 30 years in, in, your, uh, in your career. Tell us how you stay positive. How do you maintain that positive mindset throughout such a successful career? And how do you stay intentional as you think about your career? I'll tell you the secret sauce that's not so secret, Irvin, is that I am very clear that it is not about who I am, but whose I am at the end of the day. Uh, and I am definitely a glass half full kind of girl because I feel like, you know, God is ultimately the one that's running the show. And if I can just remember whose I am and therefore the power that I have with me and behind me at all times and frankly within me, then I need not worry about anything. And of course I'm human and I'll fall into those, those moments where I start to worry about things or I start to be concerned. Uh, and then I'll catch myself and say, wait, 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 hold on. You've been here in some form or fashion. You know how the story ends. And, you know, there are several Bible verses that, you know, I keep at the ready to remind myself. So, again, if it looks like a confluence of tough events, I'll remind myself of Romans 8.28, that all things, not some things, but all things work together for the good of those who love him and who are called to his purpose. And frankly, those are the things that, that keep me going and keep me positive and put me right back in the middle of the fairway to, you know, to try again and to keep moving forward no matter what. Uh, and that, frankly, is what has sustained me over this last 15 months. You know, I, I am uh, a little bit seasoned here. I won't say old <clears throat> seasoned. And I remind myself that, you know, this is going to pass, Carla. You've seen a version of this. So as tough as the COVID-19 crisis is, as tough as the social unrest is to watch, this too will pass. The question is, what are you going to do with the time between the time it starts to the time it finishes? So I became very intentional of making sure that I had something to show for this time. When it first began, I thought it was two weeks we'd be out of work. And I said, okay, what am I going to get done in two weeks? You know, let me start working out again because I've already, you know, passed my New Year's resolutions. Let me get back to working out. Let me do this. Let me do that. And then as two weeks became a month, a month became six. I still kept that same level of intentionality. So I look back over these 15 months and I've gotten a lot done. That's excellent. And by the way, the idea of being positive and being energetic comes across. Uh, even um, far away from you, I can sense that energy and that positive attitude, which is great. Um, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about uh, other aspects of career and career advice. And, and Morgan, I want to go to you. Um, you actually, as I listened to your story, you left kind of the traditional nine to five job to become an entrepreneur and founded your, your firm. And we have people in the audience that they might be going through a similar journey to think about their careers and maybe make different career choices. What kind of advice can you share with them? Um, how did you know that you were ready to take that step? Oh, man, I think it's like a lot of things. I don't know that you're ever fully, fully ready. Um, I'm a very, I'm like a risk adverse entrepreneur, if you can believe it or not. So I planned out every step of the way from making sure I had a one year salary for myself saved up and that I had enough money to spend on the business. And um, so I think for me, it's about, and my advice for people who are considering that leap to full-time entrepreneurship is do as much as you can while you still have income from someone else, right? There's something beautiful about waking up every, what is it, every other Friday and having a magic direct deposit that you didn't have to 
actually pay yourself for. <laughs> it's also a beautiful thing when you become a full-time entrepreneur and you get that direct deposit and you know you're the one who pressed the button, right? But it does take a lot to get to that level of stability um, as an entrepreneur to be able to finance yourself and a team and be, take that responsibility on to meet payroll and benefits. And it's a huge responsibility. And so it's something that I think people should really think about is uh, that that step before do as much as you can, provide as much value as you can to your customers, really build out your MVP, your minimum viable product to make sure that you've got something that's sticky, that's working, that's going to exist. And then have that formula down where you know that if you spend more time, if you spend more money investing in your business, that it is going to have a return on investment. Make sure that that's, that you're ready for that before you take that leap. Um, so I'm probably on more conservative, uh, more conservative advice than most people were, were probably looking for. But that's my that's my true advice. Excellent advice. Trevor, I want to go to you now. As you know, in our audience, we also have business leaders or, you know, leaders are running firms and companies. And as a leader of within your firm, um, how what's what uh, suggestions, what advice do you have to these leaders that are trying to move the needle in efforts like DE&I, um, what ideas you have, what kind of wisdom you can share with them that will help them move things forward within their own firms? Sure, sure. You know, certainly it's a function of the culture of the organization. So I think it's going to be curated for every organization, but I'll give you our experience at, at Deloitte and how it could be a, a template for others, but, you know, certainly customizing it to, to your own personal organization's agenda. The first thing is transparency. Uh, the way I personally approach dealing with difficult situations or challenges uh, is to put everything on the table, right? In my view, you can only deal with challenges or issues if they're openly being discussed, right? And one way from an organizational frame to doing that is having a bit of a transparency report on DEI. You know, where are you today? Uh, and then what are your ambitions over the next three to five years, right? I'm, I'm very proud of our organization and in producing uh, such uh, DEI transparency report for, for the business in terms of communicating externally where we are on this topic and where we're headed around this. So transparency is one. Uh, the second thing is having some form of organizational construct to facilitate getting to those objectives. Uh, for us, uh, we started the Black Action Council. Uh, this was spearheaded by our CEO and chair of the board uh, and created a, an organizational construct that looked at the strategy as well as a set of actions uh, that we're going to take in terms of how we're going to achieve the ambitions that we set forth in the report. Uh, now we're using that same Black Action Council concept to other diverse groups, uh, be it the Hispanic Latinx community, the Asian community, the LGBTQIA community, et cetera. Uh, and so in my mind, it's all about transparency. Uh, being willing to listen to those cohorts and executing an action plan are the keys in my mind for organizational success in the space of DEI. Excellent suggestion. I, I love the advice and I love the concept of transparency, especially in subjects like this. So, as you guys know, we have a wonderful audience with us. Um, they've been uh, submitting questions. So, we're going to take now a question from our audience Who or what encouraged you to find your authentic selves? Thank you. Such a good question. You know, I think for someone who's looking for their authentic self, I actually think it's not like you can look externally to get that validation for your authentic self. So I don't know that it's a who or what. 
I would say it's really yourself. And it's, um, for me, it's about self-awareness and self-acceptance and being okay with whatever those natural things are that you know you enjoy and also being okay with those natural things where you know you avoid and procrastinate and try not to to do. And then spending more time on the things that you love. And I always tell people, you could be the best in the world at the weirdest thing. Like the person who's the best basket weaver in the world probably is a millionaire, right? So you can be the best in the world at whatever it is that you love, no matter how weird it is, whether it exists in mainstream media or not. And just do that with your full purpose and try to do your best and be excellent and let the chips fall where they may. And that's something my parents always told me. I remember when I used to get my report card, even if I got B's on it, um, you know, you know, I'm from a black family, but I'm like, even when I got B's, but even when I got B's on my report card, you know, my dad would ask me this question. He would say, well, did you do your best? And if I would say yes, it was no conversation. Everything was good. If I would say no, even if I got an A and I said, mm, no. It was a wrap for me. And I knew that. And I answered that question honestly every single time. And what they taught me really was like, you just have to do your best and that should be good enough. But if you come step onto the field, whether it's the school field, which was for me was my job, whether it's the corporate boardroom and you're not doing your best, that's an issue, you know, and you're not living in your purpose. I could not agree more with Morgan. It sounds like we had the same parents there, Morgan. Uh, I'll tell you that I I never had an issue, Urban, with being my authentic self because I was just always Carla. Um, and And I agree that the way you find it, if you don't think you're being your authentic self, I agree exactly with what Morgan said. You have to spend some time with yourself and ask yourself simple questions like, am I a night owl or do I love early mornings? Do I really like working with people on teams or do I prefer to work by myself? So really ask yourself the questions as if you were interviewing you uh, so that you can get to know who you are. And then ask yourself, what am I really good at, strong at? I don't have to work at it. I'm just good at that thing. Aha, that goes in the strength uh, column or the things that I really, no matter how hard I work, I'm just not that great at that. Uh, Then that may go in the, you know, needs improvement column. Um, And then you can decide whether or not these are things that you want to transfer over to strength. But spending time with yourself, asking the question, looking at you in a real way, not comparing yourself to somebody else's report card, but looking at you in the abstract is the way you can dig and find your authentic self. Excellent. What about you, Trevor? If there was a who or what that helped you get to that authentic self? Certainly. A name, Dr. Isabella T. Jenkins. She was one of my professors at Clark Atlanta University where I went uh, to school and undergrad. And she would always tell me, you are only limited by the limits of your own creativity. This statement has a number of meanings, but but one of them for me that I really took hold to is to bringing your complete self to the challenge and the possibilities are endless, right? So Dr. Jenkins started me on this reflective journey of how to bring my authentic self to every situation. Excellent point. I, I love that example, especially when we can all look back into our early years and think about a professor, a teacher that helped us and encouraged us to, um, to go on our journey. Carla, I'm going to go to you now. And as you know, representation really matters and matters through all of the industries that we work in. Um, In your case, when you think about representation within the financial sector, what steps are you taking to move representation forward 
But most important impact that generational wealth and also that, you know, gap that we have on wealth or on race and wealth within, um, within our different groups. Yes. So acquiring wealth, Urban, begins with getting the right opportunities that are going to get you paid so that you can save and invest. So it's about making sure that people understand how to get to the opportunities that they want to get to um, and how they can acquire those those jobs. But more importantly, then when they get there, having the tools to be able to excel and to do well in, in those positions and then to bring other people along. You know, one of the things that I think about with respect to wealth management, for example, having more people of color in the wealth management part of the business, I think will be extremely helpful in helping to create more wealth in our community. Communities because not only can they do that for themselves and the teams that they employ, but they can teach and they can put some of that knowledge back in the community and encourage people to start saving and investing. A lot of times the, the, the lack of wealth is not because you don't generate the funds, it's because you don't know what to do with them when you get them. You know, I've been on record, Urban, as saying I started off in investment banking, you know, back in the 80s, a very lucrative job relative to all the jobs that were out there in, in the 80s, especially at 24 years old. But I didn't know what a 401k was, right? I was going into the institutional side of the business. I was going into the investment banking side of the business doing mergers and acquisitions. That had nothing to do with personal investments. You know, you need somebody to say, if they're going to match a 401k, that is free money, right? So you should be maxing out in that. But if you didn't come from money and you didn't know that, your inclination was, okay, I'll put one or 2% in there, leaving 8% on the table when they're matching up to 10, right? Somebody needs to explain those kinds of concepts to you and be able to, you know, to help you along. So you're making the money, but you you weren't maximizing the opportunity from an investment standpoint. So a lot of it is making sure that people have the information, educating each other, getting as many people in these roles as possible so that it can have a multiplier effect in the community. Excellent. And, and staying on the concept of representation, uh, Morgan, going back to you, why is representation matters in, in platforms, like in media platforms, for example, and how media platforms like uh, Lavity can help develop um, the, the success, the economic success, the professional success of Black people. You know, one of the things that I think we've all learned is that the images that you see every single day, the headlines that you read, uh, these information that just crosses your, your vision, literally, has an impact on how you feel. It has an impact on what you think. It has an impact on your subconscious. And for so many years, Black people didn't see positive images or stories about us in any media. And our own as well. We had a lot of great legacy brands. But one of the things that we learned when starting Blavity is that a lot of those legacy brands didn't necessarily prioritize digital and mobile in this younger generation. And so we were at risk of other people showing us images and stories of who we were supposed to be through their eyes. And it's so important that Blavity and other media companies who are coming after us that are actually building something that we don't need other people's permission to tell our own stories. We are big enough that we can do it on our own. We're bad enough that we can finance ourselves. We can work with great companies and corporations and who care about Black people, Black consumers, and the Black audience in an authentic way. And we don't necessarily have to ask for permission anymore because of our power collectively. So it's, it's very important, um, the images and the stories that 
you see passively on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all these places. That's great. Trevor, talking about representation uh, also, um, you have been successful, especially in an area that there's not a lot of employees of color. Uh, what advice do you have for others that are working on professions where they're one of the only ones in the room? Indeed. It's a, it's a great question, Irvin. You know, I would equate my success to two things. One is hustle and two is sponsorship. On the hustle side, it's always been a part of my approach, right? As a, as a, as a man of color, I grew up knowing that I had to work harder, stay energized and focused to stay ahead, right? This is a quality that has always served ambitious people. Hustle to me indicates a willingness to dig deep into the challenges, to ask questions for understanding, to find insights based on data and analysis, and to do the hard work of solving problems. The path to the top is enabled also by sponsorship opportunities, right? I'm very thankful for having senior leaders behind the scenes opening doors for me such that I can showcase what I can do and showcase the value that I can bring to the organization and to our clients, right? In terms of advice, uh, for, for others, having a willingness to share your story and the lessons learned in the hopes that it inspires the next person is one thing I would say. You know, as a young professional, you have to be willing to seek out that guidance, take advantage of the advice of those who have gone before you, right? I certainly did, and, and my work is to keep paying it forward. Excellent. And now we're going to actually go to our last question for the panel. So if we think about the world that we live today, the reality that we find ourselves um, and I'm going to go to all of you. Um, how have this past year brought up awareness um, regarding topics like diversity and inclusion and how that awareness has influenced you and influenced your mission within the firms that you work? And we probably can start with you, Trevor. Sure. Similar to the other comments that I said, I you know, it's influenced me in several ways, right? One is having courageous conversations you know, the, the, the events over the last year has opened up a dialogue uh, where it used to be taboo. And so having those courageous conversations, it, to me, is incredibly important. Secondly, leveraging your platform for the betterment of others. And then thirdly, as, as I just mentioned, continue to pay it forward. Do what you can do to drive the agenda forward uh, around that. That's the advice I would give. Oh, so many things. I mean, I agree with a lot of that. You have to think about what your personal impact is. I always say start with what you can control. And that's the only thing you control is yourself. Um, so first, before you go look at everybody else, do your best. I think the last year taught us a lot about empathy and the shared humanity of every single person on this country and this world. Um, from the election to George Floyd to API awareness to literally everything. It's like if you did not walk away having a shared sense of responsibility for one another, then I don't know what you were doing. Uh, so I think if we all just tried to do better individually, then there would be a dramatic impact. Yeah, I'll tell you that the big benefit and again, glass half full girl um, that I saw from last year was that it provoked the conversation out into the open. And when things are kept behind closed doors or in the dark, that's when they have power. But when you shed a light on it, you take all the power away. And I think the fact that we were now able to have these conversations and people were reaching out for help and people were willing to admit that, oh, I don't know how to have that conversation or where do I start? Or my organization has never spoken about these things. How do we do that? I had so many calls last year, Irvin, and I did not turn one down to help a leader, somebody who was already sitting in the C-suite 
help a leader speak to their people, help a leader figure out how to position their organization publicly. And people kept saying, aren't you tired? And I kept saying, are you kidding me? This is an opportunity for us to move the needle, to change the game, because this is not a, a moment. This is a movement. And I'll be doggone if I'm going to let this opportunity to help somebody get it right around this I'll be doggone if I'm going to let it pass. So it was a busy year, but I feel so energized by the kind of engagement that happened in the last 15 months. Great. Well, I want to thank you, Carla, Morgan, Trevor, for giving us this time, for spending this time with us. Personally, I took some nuggets with me, so that was great. And, and I want to wish you success, both professionally and personally. That was Aligning Your Career with Purpose from Representation Matters, Salesforce's annual racial equality summit. To hear more, go to salesforce.com slash representation matters. Thanks for listening today. And if you like this episode, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Michael Revo from Salesforce Studios. Thanks for listening today.